How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric. Here's your host, Michael Ashford. In this episode, I chat with Aaron Ferguson, a former project manager who became a leadership coach after years of watching how the things leaders don't say affect employees' sense of worth, value, and ability. Aaron and I discuss how unspoken expectations, or what he calls stealth expectations, can determine a company's direction both good and bad, and what happens when we inadvertently celebrate metrics over people. Aaron, welcome to the show. I would love to jump in right from the get-go and explore with you your your journey into leadership coaching. What were you seeing and in, in what was, I guess, forefront of mind for you that precipitated your, your kind of journey, like I said, into leadership coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So before I got into coaching, I was working as a software product manager and uh, you get exposed to a lot of different leadership styles very quickly. You're working with clients, you're working with the executive team at the company, you're working with every single department you can think of to coordinate uh, efforts and make sure that that we're building the right things and projects are on time, right? So just a lot of exposure. And one of the things that I noticed very, very prominently across multiple companies was that the individual contributors were often an afterthought for, for these companies. Like we, we say that we care, we say that we're trying to do things, but when you actually get down to it, there are a lot of stealth expectations in companies and people don't often feel like they are truly able to contribute the way that they want to or feel that they need to uh, were promoted into positions without having the right training. And there was just a lot of holes, right? A lot of holes that don't need to be there because we understand how these things work from a theoretical place or a, a research place. And we just haven't implemented it. And so I decided that that's really what I want to do with my life is I want to really improve and impact people's general happiness and ability to contribute in a way that works for them. You mentioned there the individual contributors not being, I believe you the word you used was valued, maybe it was something else, but not being valued in their roles. Um, go deeper on that. What, do you, what did you mean by that? What were you seeing? And two-part question here, what were you seeing, perhaps more importantly, in place of valuing individual contributors? So I believe that we're right on, I'll call it the brink between uh, an old world and a new world, right? An old world where, and I, I may say some some very polarizing statements here. So for all of you listeners, I, I apologize if it gets gets you worked up, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but but the old world, right? There was a lot of you just showed up to your job and you just you just did it, right? You worked for the same company for twenty years. Uh, discipline looked a lot different. Like it just, things were just how they were. And then new world is a lot more open and asking questions. And we don't just do things because it's how it's been done, but we ask, should we be doing this thing? If you go into a random company, you pick a random team, you talk to a manager, 
fairly likely they'll probably have good things to say about their team members, right? They're probably generally genuine, good people that are trying to make a difference. They're trying to do the right thing. But the, the company culture is, even though the people, the individuals are wanting to do things better, we're wanting to give more autonomy, we're wanting to care more, to be better, to do more, but our circumstance still seems stuck in the old world. Right. So I'm still beholden as a people manager, right? I have a team underneath me. I'm still expected as my primary responsibility to do my own work, to have my own project. Right. I'm still treated as an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. And and there's very little expectation that my priority is going to be to my people. It's going to be to my project. When my superior asks me how are things they're asking how are my projects not asking how are my people and their projects right it's it's not about the people it's not about empowering it's not about creating the right system that will continue to generate results it's about right now short term today are we getting results and short-term thinking leads to short-term results how does that manifest itself then Aaron, you use the term stealth expectations. Yeah. Is that what you're referencing there? And and what did you mean by that? Yeah. So stealth expectations, and it goes by a lot of different names, right? But we, we all have expectations that we don't even know that we have, right? We're not aware of it until it gets pointed out. And then we realize, oh yeah, you know, you're right. I was thinking that I didn't realize it. And we do that a lot in business as well. So so like I mentioned earlier, our world is is filled with amazing people. Like the, the question is not if we're good enough. It's not if my people are good enough. It's not if my company wants to care. But we haven't slowed down enough to really think through what is the impact of our our decisions and our behaviors. We haven't thought through the whole system, right? We're not using systems thinking. And so we end up making these decisions that we think is helpful, but the stealth expectation behind it, right? So when I, when I talk to my team member and I say, you know, we need to finish the project by X date. And then all of the things I, I didn't tell them could have contributed to a much better end result. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't leave the conversation open. Right. I, I, I started that conversation closed. I said, this is the thing. This is how you're going to do it. There's no conversation. And so there's no way for them to, to interject and say, well, if that's the result you want, we could do it this way instead. Or we could get this person involved or there are these resources that you might not be thinking about. And so just because we're not we're not communicating enough and we're not being open and transparent enough and it leads to a lot of redundant effort and a lot of just wasted, wasted time. And no one likes that. No one wants that. Are you saying that the conversation more needs to be, this is kind of our, our goal. How are we going to get there? I, I, do you have an example of what you mean by that? Examples are hard for me. I definitely am better at the theoretical. Uh, so I'll try and work my way into this. But if I'm a director, I have five people on my team, right? The 
the immediate thing that we typically, that, that I see that we go to is there are six people on my team, me and the five people on my team, right? But realistically, being a people manager is a full-time job. And so if I am really diving into that, I'm not going to have enough time to do a good job as a sixth team member. Mm. And so I sit down and I think, okay, I have this marketing project. We, we have X outcome. You know, this is how we're going to divide up effort and labor and resources. And we do all this planning, but we factor me in as a sixth person. And I am asserting that we're setting ourselves up for failure. Maybe not for the project, right? The project might go over smoothly and be successful, but what's happening in the long term, right? What's the actual full system? Well, when we do that, I'm committing up front that I'm not actually going to spend the time thinking about how are my five people doing? I'm not, and not necessarily that you should be checking in constantly, right? I'm not, I don't mm. think micromanagement is a great thing, but even if I'm not constantly calling people into my office, right? Am I sitting down by myself and just thinking about the people on my team? Am I Gen, when I sit down and I do a one-on-one, am I genuinely asking them what they care about and, and getting to know them? Or am I just asking for an update on their projects? The real result is that we may hit the deadline for this project, but those five people are not being trained as new leaders. They're being micromanaged and, and or ignored, right? They're not getting the relevant feedback. They're not we're not setting them up for success. And so, yes, I can be a sixth person on the team, but do I want to be a bad sixth member or do I want to have five amazing members, right? You're, you're going to get more done on this marketing project when you really empower your people and make that your focus and not an afterthought. Uh, I started at the receptionist as the first marketing full-time hire that the the company had made. Uh, I was employee number seven. We're now up to 22, almost 20, going to be 23 employees by the time this episode goes live. And I now have myself and and three other people on my marketing team. In those early days where it was, for instance, just me and our digital campaigns manager, Kayla, how does someone like me pull myself out of the day-to-day to manage Kayla? And that's my full-time job. How do you, yeah. how do we work through that? And that's where life is tricky, Michael. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. always gray area. <laughs> um, so I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there are very few things that are truly black and white, right? So in a startup no environment. From me. No argument from me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're in a startup. And everyone's wearing multiple hats and we love to use that phrase. And it's, it's basically a badge of honor at this point, right? Like I wear multiple hats. <laughs> um, and yes, there's going to be some overlap. There's going to be some areas where the company realistically can't afford to pay enough people to take everything off of your plate as a manager, right? We're going to have to do more than one thing. And that's just, that's fine. That's the way that that works. And, and 
entrepreneurship is great. So you and Kayla, right, you, you have a few different choices. You can either hire someone and say, these are your responsibilities, go do them, I'm going to go do my thing, and, and we're not going to talk to each other, which I would argue is, is not the right way to do it. Right. Because right? if you're working in <laughs> silos, you're going to duplicate effort, you're not going to communicate, you're going to miss deadlines, you're going to, it's, it's not going to be as effective. But yeah. that is the most effective to use your own time. Right. And that's where it gets tricky is because when I sit down at my desk for the day and I think, okay, I, I care about this company. I, I want to make a difference. I want to be helpful. So how can I maximize me? And that's the problem because me maximizing me is actively minimizing the end result that everyone is working on together. And so when I sit down as the leader of a team of two, am I actually setting aside time thinking about how am I working with my team? How, how are we collaborating instead of working in isolation, but on the same team? If I, if I just care about what they're doing, if my mind is completely on revenue and money, I would still be missing such a huge piece if I didn't choose to care about the person, mm -hmm. right? The, the work-life balance thing, like where's the boundary between personal and professional life? I think there really isn't one at all. Like you're bringing someone onto your team. And if you don't ask them about what they like and what they're doing in their life and the challenges that they are absolutely facing right now today and you don't know about them there's no way that they're going to show up at work with everything that they have to give right your your uncommunicated expectation to them is don't talk to me about what you care about just show me results that i want to see and and they're not going to perform for you the way you want them to until you really care and you really take the time and invest in them. And it's hard, right? When we're short on time, yeah, we're, we're in a startup and, and we don't have time to give and we got to give it anyway. That's one of the hats and we got to wear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of the phrase that's become quite popular these days, which is um, we want our employees to bring their whole selves to work. Yes. And what I'm struck by, Aaron, is how we often kind of leave out, you know, one of those stealth expectations is we leave out the messy part of people, too. Yes. That that show up to work, um, the faults and flaws as much as the strengths and and great things that they do, which is why we hired them. Right. Uh, bringing your whole self has to mean your whole self or it's not your whole self it has to. <laughs> is, it does. is kind of what I hear you saying right there. Yes. Um, and I, I think we here at the receptionist and our core values and, and the employee supremacy model that we, we live out here. We're definitely in alignment there. Something interesting when we first spoke, Aaron, that you had mentioned was we set those um, stealth or unspoken expectations in, in the things that we celebrate. Can you dive into that a little bit more as well? How do how does celebrating what we're doing as a company and the things that we're accomplishing set some stealth expectations off to the side? Yeah, celebrations are huge. It is such a big deal. And we do it all the time. Uh, 
we we will celebrate the things that we care about and we notice other people doing it too uh, i once worked for a company where uh, there was this big culture push and everyone was really excited about, yeah, we're, we're defining who we are and what we care about. And it was great. And there was all this energy and effort. The CEO uh, announced that they were going to have these like hidden messages in these recordings that they were going to send out. And it was this really cool thing. They didn't send out the video until like 5.30 p.m. on a Friday. What what kind of expectation do you mm. think that that is sending? You actively are rewarding. You're you're giving out a gift card for people that stay late on a Friday trying to find some hidden message that doesn't really matter. Like you are very directly incentivizing your people without realizing it to be workaholics and to have a bad work life balance. Like that's just mm. bad. Mm-hmm. And and I don't even know if they realized how detrimental that was to their employees. They probably thought that they were awesome. They probably thought that they were really helping because they were giving out gift cards. <laughs> right? We we have to stop and think about what am I doing and why am I doing it and what effect is it gonna have? What's the hidden cost? What's the hidden of, cost of that gift card, right? <laughs> yes. So Aaron, um, as we kind of begin to wrap things up here. How does somebody listen to what you've said up to this point and, and are considering the hidden expectations or the stealth expectations that they're setting with their employees and think, I don't want to be that kind of leader. I don't want to be that kind of manager. How do we move more towards that and not be the type of manager that just says, look, all these projects, I'm out. I'm done. You're on your own. <laughs> you guys do it now. Where, where do we begin to make that shift? Obviously, I know yes. your answer is going to include some nuance here. So where do we begin to make that shift? <laughs> I'll, I'll try and stay, stay high level on this one. Um, obviously, as a coach, I'm biased, right? I believe that especially when dealing with the things that we don't know, right? We don't know what we don't know. And the best way to work through that is to talk to someone about it, right? If you acknowledge, if you listen to this podcast, you agree with what we're talking about and you as the listener say, you know what? I resonate with this. I want to do something about it. If you organize a one-time initiative, you do this, this big hurrah, you, you do an initiative at work, you, you roll it out to your employees, even if it's just by yourself as a parent, right? I want to be a better parent. I want to handle things with my kids better. If you do one big thing, it's going to peter out and it's not going to be as effective as you want it to be, right? The whole idea behind coaching is that as humans, things take time. And so having some, you don't have to hire a coach, right? If you want to, great. If you don't want to, great. But find an accountability partner. Find someone that you can schedule something with regularly to keep bringing the conversation up. Once a month, right? Meet meet with your team members, meet with your supervisor, meet with your, your spouse or your friend and, and agree that you're going to talk about, am I treating myself correctly? Am I treating my people correctly? Right? Are, are the people in my life, which does include ourselves, what are we doing to take care of them and make sure that they're in the right place? Because it's that regular reminder 
that's going to get us to think about our context and what really matters for you today, which could change next month, right? So it's not about going and fixing it today. It's about having a system that lets you continue to revisit and identify probably slowly over time, what are your stealth expectations and how can you identify and, and remove uh, those and, and, and contribute in, in our best way. I like those two questions, Aaron. Uh, you know, am I, am I doing a good job of treating myself right? Basically is kind of what you're saying. And, and am, I, am I extending that to my employees as well? I love that. This is the fabric. And our fabric actually stands for our core values here at The Receptionist, which are fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. And I just want to ask you, Aaron, as our guest today, which of those resonate the most with you and why? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> uh, they're all great. Um, probably authentic. So I'm a, I'm a fan of Donald Miller's story brand, right? The general mm -hmm. yeah, idea. So are we here. Yeah. Yeah. The general idea is that everyone sees themselves as the hero of their own story. And every time that I assume that I know what someone else cares about or what's best for them, right, I'm not letting them live their story. So by being authentic myself and by letting other people be authentic, I'm creating an environment where we can all thrive in different ways because it's going to look differently for everyone and being okay with that. It's okay that other people don't agree with me, even though it can be frustrating in the moment. In the long run, I go, I look back and I think, you know what? I am so glad that I let that person do something that I thought was a stupid idea because it ended up working for them. And because it worked for them, it worked for me. Right? So, so being authentic is so important. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I, I appreciate the boldness of the approach that you're taking here. So let's, let's get more people to go from the new way to, or the old way to the new way. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the fabric. Our show is hosted by me, Michael Ashford, director of marketing here at the receptionist and produced by our creative manager, James Jordan. If you want to see a video version of the show, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash fabric, where you can watch episodes of all of the content that we've put out on this podcast. You can see our bright, smiling faces, and you can see what our studio looks like as well. If you'd like to give the Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System a try in your office, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash free trial and give us a test drive for 14 days with no credit card required. See what you think. Until next time, take care. <laughs>